Got car trouble. Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, pissing, clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. Good morning, Southern Arizona and the rest of you out there in cyberspace. Welcome to the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show right here on ESPNTucson.com, 1490 AM on your radio dial or 104.9 FM on your radio. Welcome to the show. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host, along with me, riding co-host this morning, as usual, Jim Mooney, owner of Frontier Towing, for all your towing needs. Good morning, Jim. Oh, good morning, Jerry. Thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, so you're awake yet? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm up. I'm rolling. I, I finished up work last night about 12.30. So, uh, short, oh, really? A couple, yeah, a couple of winky naps last night, and um, I'm good to go. Oh, my gosh. What do you work, 24-7? It, it seems like it sometimes. Yeah, we work all the time, but uh, yeah, we were working a job last night, and it took a lot longer. You know, you think you, you it's like one of those jobs you're going to do, Jerry. You think you're just going to change the spark plugs in a motor, and, and you go to you go to pull that plug out of that Ford 5.4 liter, and you snap it off, and you just and immediately you know, well, this just turned into a very long day. So something yes, like that for us. We go out to a job and we think, oh, this is going to be, this will take us 15 minutes. And, you know, and then it just turns, everything, nothing goes right. And you have to recoup, reevaluate, refigure, and start again and scratch your head and figure it all out. And then, then you, you get it, finally get it all done. And then, and then you is it go proper to, is it proper to ask you what kind of a, thing this was that you had so much problems with oh it's a, it's a city bus the city bus they're they're um they have uh issues from time to time and they run all the time and sometimes it's it's yeah. you know it's a, a myriad of combination it's it's the breakdown itself it's the location it's the traffic you know right. so sometimes you got right. three factors going on there that that make it challenging and you think you you know when you approach the scene you think oh I I know exactly what to do well yeah okay not always <laughs> sometimes you gotta you gotta <laughs> stop you gotta stop a recoup it's just like when you break that spark plug off you know when you break one of those spark plugs off in a Ford Motor you're sitting there thinking oh boy I wish I hadn't have done that <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It, it's just yeah. it's it's just it's just the job it's just part of the challenge and unfortunately they they break in the middle of the night and. So sometimes it takes a little while to get them done. 
But we get them all done. Everybody gets well, it done. Well, Everybody gets to go home safe, and we're happy. Well, if you had to, you know, I, I have seen the big trucks that have to go out to get these complexes, these apartment complexes called city buses. And by the time you add one of your big truck, your big rigs to haul that thing, my lord, it looks like a train sitting on the side of the road. And I'm going, holy cow! I'm glad you're doing that, and not me. That would just worry me to death. Oh, because you're thinking, oh, I got to get this out of traffic, yada yada yada. And you know, still things happen. They even though the tr- the buses are good looking buses in Tucson, um, and you know, they they still are mechanical. They're mechanical animals, and they're just like a car, mechanical animals. And if you want to get in, you you hit a, a tender spot with that forward with the breaking off the spark plugs. A little hint on that for you do-it-yourselfers out there. If you've got a, a Ford, you know, a Triton engine, and uh, Jim is not even – kidding about the spark plugs those suckers will pop off in a heartbeat if you do a motor vac if you bring it into simmons and you've got something on there and you've got 60 70 000 miles and you've got to have a spark plug removed we're going to recommend that if you haven't done it do a motor vac a motor vac goes inside the cylinders goes down where the spark plugs are on most vehicles. In fact, we can even do it on the uh, GDIs, but primarily on the Ford motor we're talking about. And you can clean the threads off of the inside of the on the spark plug that protrudes into the cylinders. There's where the problem lies. You get buildup, you get carbon buildup on that, and then you try to back it out of that cylinder head. Well, it wants to freeze. And when it freezes, you think, oh, instead of using this little wrench, I'll just use a bigger wrench. And you use a bigger wrench, and then your nightmare starts. When you get ready to do a 5.4, any Triton engine, and you want to make sure the spark plugs actually comes out of the head, one of the things to help you with, it would be a motor back to go inside and clean off the threads on the spark plugs that's got to come back through that hole in which you put it in to start with. If you'll do that, life will be a lot easier. But when you do that on a uh, get ready to remove a spark plug, don't just get a hold of it and crank it all the way out at one time. Work it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until you can get it where it starts loosening up. And what you're doing is you're actually putting the threads back where the carbon has taken the threads away from you. You need threads to get back out of those holes nice and as clean as possible. And if you'll take your time, work it back and forth, you can pull them out. You get in a hurry with those, and you're going to hate yourself. You're talking about a day. How about two days? How about Three days. How about a week if you blow the inside of that uh, uh, threads out of those things and you you break them? Sometimes you have to take cylinder heads off in order to fix the threads in the cylinder heads. We used to be able, and still can in most cases, uh, put the threads back in the hole. We can put the threads back in the hole, and but it's not 
as simple as putting the threads back in the hole. So when you get into that, people, just you do it yourself, and even a garage will tell you, you do not get in a hurry with these things. If you're fortunate enough to have a, a motor vac machine sitting there that can cut the carbon on the inside and give you a little helping hand, by all means, because if you've got 60, 70,000 miles on a Triton engine and you haven't ever done a motor vac, it is going to be filthy on the inside. That hard carbon has set up on the threads protruding to the inside of the cylinder. So that is my technical tip for today. The, but remember, patience is a virtue when it comes to that. If you get mad at it, oh, my, your day just got even worse. It'd be like Jim trying to pick up that city bus. He gets mad at that thing, he starts rushing it, it's going to turn to caca. <laughs> no other way to put that's it. Right. It's just going to turn to caca. That's exactly right. It, it, and they, they don't cooperate very well. They're, they're, you know, you can't negotiate with those with mechanical devices. They just stay there. And the, when, when, they're, when you have to work around them and you have to, you have to be the boss, and sometimes you just you think something's going to work the way it, you have a picture in your mind and you think, oh, it's just going to go so easy. And then it doesn't go so easy. And then you fight it and you work it and you work the problem just like the just like the spark plug. And Jerry, you're right. I I pulled one out of a out of a Ford I had one day and and I I was like I had no idea. I reached in there and I pulled it out. It wouldn't come and I put a bigger wrench on there and boy, she finally came out. And so did the threads, and so did, and so did a bunch of aluminum, and and I thought, oh boy, this is. This. So then I thought, oh, I'll just thread the other one back in. Yeah, it threads right in, and you know, then it just sits there. Then you, then you can just pull it right in and out, and you're, th- you're thinking, wow, this is not good. And you know, so then I took it, had to have it heel coiled, had to have have the they took it to a guy, and he 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 drilled it out. Put the helicoil coil back in. He goes, okay. So the next time you go to pull the, yep. the he, he said exactly what you said. Get it, get it clean next time because next time you're going to pull the helicoil coil out. It's not even going to take the, the spark plug out. You're going to take the helicoil coil out. So you're going to have to do this all over. Then again. that's going to be a mess. Oh yeah. That's going to be a oh, mess. Oh yeah. Yep. Well, originally when it come out, and they started having these broken spark plugs because of the issues with the, getting the plugs out of the cylinder heads. Um, I know guys that actually bought engines to put them back in because the procedure at that time was to pull the heads off and replace the heads instead of putting the threads back in with a helicoil. And we're going, you know, I come from a race car industry where you, you fix them. You just don't replace the heads. You fix the helicoil. I had a buddy of mine that had a 99 Ford with a V10 in it, and that was the one that had the two-and-a-half threads to hold the spark plug that everybody got so excited about. I also had a V10, a 99, and when his spark plug come out of his hole, it just, I mean, it, it literally blew the spark plug out, and I said, well, Dan, let's just go ahead and put a uh, put a helicoil in and fix this thing. He says, well, is a helicoil going to last as long as the threads? I said, you didn't have very good luck with the threads you had in on this one. We will put enough threads in there to hold it in. And the it turned out, long story short, when you're changing the spark plugs on that, on any engine, 
you use the torque specifications that's listed to put the spark plug in. You don't over-torque it. You torque it to the torque specifications that they have in the, uh, in the manual or in any technical data that you can get from uh, Parker Automotive. You can get from Simmons. You can get it from Automotive Specialists. We can look it up and tell you exactly what the torque specs are on the spark plug. Where I got lucky, at about 60,000 miles on my V10, the guys at the shop were standing around, and I had my truck in, and they, they, were, they were familiar with this two-and-a-half threads. And they said, right, let's just go ahead and check Jerry's uh, spark plugs and see how they're doing. They pulled every one of those spark plugs out at 60, about 61,000 miles. And when they put it back in, they put it back in. They set it with a torque wrench. And when that truck left me at 129,000 miles, I could change those spark plugs. Of course, I did the motor vac, so I didn't have any, any issues. And I didn't have any problems at all with two and a half threads in that cylinder that was supposed to hold that spark plug. Proper torque on that spark plug, it held. I had zero problems at 129,000 miles. Now, Go back to what Dan did. Dan decided that, and, you know, and I said, this is what the manufacturer says do if we don't put a helicoil in it, which is wasn't accepted at that time because Ford hadn't made the kit yet, okay? Now, to Ford's credit, they did finally come up and say, oh, okay, this is a, a helicoil kit that you can buy from Ford that's designed to go into 5.4s and the Triton engines. So, he can, you can put those in. Now, prior to that, it was pull the cylinder heads, change the cylinder heads. You pull those two cylinder heads off, you get two new cylinder heads and bring it in and go to put them in. The cylinder heads are blank, which means you've got to put the valves in them. You've got to put the springs. You've got to redo the whole cylinder head, then put them on. That was only about uh, fifteen hundred, eighteen hundred dollars different than buying a. At that time, we bought a Jasper engine and put it in it with a three-year, one hundred thousand mile guarantee on this that already had all of that stuff fixed. Well, we've come a long way since then, and we know how to help you save money on these things. And the helicoil has been around for what fifty years, Jim. Oh, at least, if not longer. Yeah, and a helical is if you do it right, it's stouter than what was in there originally. It's more more metal to it. it it'll hold better, and um, but it's got to be done right. And access to some of these cylinders, you can do it while it's on the vehicle, but access to the hole itself with this equipment that you've got to use to put it in, sometimes is just not available. And you will have to take a lot of stuff off of the engine just to get access to the spark plug hole in order to fix it. That turns into cash. Well, we put a new motor in Dan's, and when he got rid of a truck, his motor was still running perfect. But I found out and through research and, and following up on this, because I still had this engine that I was using as a test engine, test cylinder head, with two and a half threads holding a spark plug. The key was proper torque when you go in. You do not over-torque it. You put it in, and life is good. And then I've seen people put it in there with anti-seize on it. I have seen and heard everything that you do with a spark plug. Uh, 
I don't like to put anything in there with the anti-seize on it. If you properly torque it, you should be good to go. If it's clean on the inside and you keep that thing serviced, like do a motor vac every 15,000 miles, keep it clean so that when you go to change the spark plugs, I don't care what motor you got, if you keep its cylinders clean on the inside and keep the carbon off these threads and stuff, life is a lot easier and it doesn't kill you. But, uh, if, if, you know, and Jim will tell you, anybody who works on cars will tell you, you get in a hurry, work in mechanical, get ready. You better have your entire toolbox pulled up to the front fender because it's no telling what you're going to break trying to get off of that. You use the right tool for the job. Uh, I've seen people actually use an adjustable wrench to uh, pull out spark plugs. And that's on the older motors, of course. And it's it's not good because you wind up tearing the um, corners off of the area that your wrench is supposed to go around nice and snug. And first thing you go, you got to round it off uh, housing, for lack of a better word, on a spark plug. And now you're in trouble again. Then it comes to vice grips. It's just a nightmare. So use the right tool for the job. And when you're doing it, uh, be patient. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you can use a breaker bar. You can put a breaker bar on it. It's a two-foot, 24-inch breaker bar on it and a half-inch drive and reach down and get a spark plug. You can get that spark plug out eventually. You can break that spark plug and create a nightmare for the rest of the job. Now you're down to a day to two days trying to get that thing fixed. If you're lucky, you can get it done in two days. The schedules at the shops and all in all automotive shops, now it's just blown to crap because something broke. That and don't don't get me wrong. Now you can do it the exact way I'm describing it, and still it can turn bad. That's the reason that when you take a spark plug out, you work it back and forth as you take it out, back and forth. What you're doing is putting the threads back on the spark plug and protecting the threads inside the cylinders. So clean it off, work it back and forth, keep it working, 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 and then you can pull it out. And that seems to be the most successful way. You put an impact wrench on that thing, I'm going to tell you, you're going to hate yourself for the rest of your life. And when you're doing lug nuts on a wheel and you go, oh, this thing is really tight, and you're cranking on it, taking that thing off, and think about it. Maybe the reason it's coming off so hard is because you got dissimilar metals on the uh, the nut that goes on the stud. So work it back and forth, working back and forth. There's nothing wrong with putting a little WD-40 or something on those threads and then when you back it up, spray the WD-40 on it, and then re-tighten it, which pulls a WD-40 inside on the threads. Then start backing it out, but work it, work it, work it, work it, work it, until you can take that thing off with your fingers. You will be surprised how much easier it is. And the other thing, when you're changing tires and you're, you're, you've got an older vehicle and you've done put about 20 sets of tires on this thing and you're doing it yourself and you don't use a torque wrench, you have no clue what the torque's supposed to be on there, you figure the tighter it is, the better it is. When you change a tire, you look down and see if the threads on the lug, on the studs 
are still sitting in the center where they were designed to run. They don't, if it looks like they're pulled from the top, pulled to the outside, that means they've been over torqued. That means the threads are worn out. Replace the studs because you're getting to the point where you're going to lock the nut on the stud. And then when you take it in and somebody hits it with a wind gun to break it loose or something, well, most of the time that's what happens. They put a wind gun on it. It's got about 150 pounds, 175 pounds of torque on it, and it goes to back off this lug nut that's supposed to be 75. And you say, oh, it's not working right. I'll crank up the torque on the wind gun. Yeah, you can take the stud off. <laughs> stud off with the threads inside it, everything. But lug bolts do wear out. That's where you put the nut on them. That little bolt will wear out. When the threads, you can look down at it. You don't have to be an engineer. You just need to look down at it. If the little guides on the bolt are straight up and look like they're still centered in where they're supposed to go and they're not pushing to the front like they're feathered out to the front, then you're okay. If they're feathered out to the front, save yourself some aggravation because when you put back on there, you're going to retorque again. You don't have the same metals on the threads. It will pull. It will cross-thread in there without really being cross-thread because it'll pull that metal in and lock it to the other side. And that's where you get in trouble. So that's my second tech tip on that. All right. That was a good tip. Uh, this this tip because because I can tell you, having having been to many a flat tires in my life, you're right. If they're if lug nuts are over torqued, they are going to distort the threads. And now they're when it distorts, it's so amazing because you couldn't think it could get any tighter, but they will not come off. You wind up breaking just breaking the stud off. Now you're Absolutely. not changing that tire anymore. <laughs> now yeah. now you have a whole well, different set of problems on your hand. Well, the other little set of problems that you need to be aware of is when you're changing tires on an RV. Uh, I don't care if it's a horse trailer. I don't care if it's a fifth wheel. I don't care what it is. If it's RV, it goes behind a vehicle. And you change a flat tire on the side of the road. Well, you probably don't have a torque wrench with you. You have a spinner wrench, which is what I recommend because those others, I call them knuckle busters. When you change a tire on the side of the road and that you get it as tight as you possibly can, it's setting, you let the uh, jack down, it's sitting on the road and you're cranking on that thing with everything you've got. Now, if you're like a buddy of mine, like Grady, Grady's 6'5", uh, about 260, all muscle. If he grabs a hold of the wrench, he's going to get one torque specification. If I grab a hold of the wrench, I'm going to get another one. But, when you set that thing down, that trailer, you roll that son of a gun, and you go about two miles down the road, or a mile, I don't care, stop, get your star wrench, go back and retighten these rims on these trailers because they will come off. They will loosen up once you start to roll them. You don't have the right uh, torque wrench. You don't know what the torque was on it. As tight as you could get it, and that's it. Depends on if you're a Grady, 6'5", 252, or yeah, 65252, and all muscle, you're going to put probably just a little bit more torque on that, 
And then when you get out and check it, hopefully you will have the same resistance. It'll be nice and tight. But I can tell you from experience, they need to be done with uh, within a mile or two. Just get out, get your wrench, and go back and torque them and make sure that on some of them are eight lugs, some of them are five lugs. Make sure that all of those are tight. Then go on your trip because normally if you're towing an RV, you're headed someplace. And you really want to get there. And most of you only carry one spare tire. And I highly recommend if you're towing, take two spare tires. Because if one tire blows out and it's not because you run over something in the road, you probably got some bad tires anyway. So make sure you have at least two spare tires. I've been known to travel with a a half-ton Ford truck running up north. Had uh, one spare tire, and that's years ago. Tire blew out. I'm like, okay, no biggie. I got another spare tire. I put the spare tire on it. I didn't go two miles before the other tire on the opposite side. This is on the rear end of a Ford truck, which had no weight on it anyway. It was empty. And uh, it turned loose. Well, guess what? I had one spare. I am stuck. I was in northern Arizona. I had a flat tire. Thank goodness. I pulled the tire off. I stood on the side of the road. There was a family come through, a husband and wife, with a motor home and stopped. We picked me up with that tire, put the motor, rolled that tire in on the floor mat inside the coach, went to uh, up the road about 10 miles to a station and was able to get that thing done. The guy in the motor home said, ah, we haven't got anything else to do. We'll just wait and give you a ride back down there with your tire. That's what used to happen. I doubt if it would happen again, but that's the type of people that actually travel on the road. People are willing to help you, uh, but you may not be as fortunate as I was. I must have looked like a, a whip puppy out there on the side of the road. I felt like a whip. I felt like an idiot. So when I start traveling, I take double spares because it's already happened once, and history is a good guiding post it's not much for hitching post hitching post is you okay it won't happen again so i'm here no you know just double think it don't overthink it just double think it but please torque your wheels you ever been driving down the road and all of a sudden your tire comes by you because on a car trailer in my instance (laughs) um remember those pull threads i was telling you about i have learned a lot in the automotive industry of what other people do. I'm like Jim. I see it firsthand. I know what can happen. I try to use that as an education to myself. And since I've had this radio program for about the last 35 years, I try to put it out to you to let you know crap happens. It'll happen. And it doesn't, it doesn't, there's no indicator light. It comes on the dash and tells you, you have a low tire on your travel trailer. Your tire is going down. You need to pull off. You need to check it. It doesn't have any of that. All of a sudden, you've got a flat tire or a wheel coming by you, and uh, the race is on. Then you call Frontier Towing at 748-1100. Say, hey, Jim, come and get me. I'm sitting out here. I'm about 25 miles. I'm 30 miles. I'm 100 miles away from Tucson. And uh, i got a fried bearing on a trailer. 
and uh, it don't want to go because if it rolls much longer, it's going to it's going to start a fire. It's going to heat up. It's going to melt the bearings to the spindle. Now we got a big mess. So just be careful in your travels. I know it's hunting season. I know you people are going to be running up to the mountains, you know. And you know, uh, thanks to uh, uh, Parker Automotive, he said, don't forget your winter inspection. Do not forget that winter inspection. Make sure that you have a fighting chance when you leave Tucson to get where you're going. Do a winter inspection. Make sure everything is up on it. You know, um, I noticed uh, Simmons actually put something out in the, on the Facebook that was, this is what you need to do. Winter time is here. We know, we know you're going to be traveling. Uh, so get these winter inspections and make sure that everything is done. But please don't ignore the tires and whatever you do. Put air in your spare tires. Check your spare tires. That's the little suckers that ride on the back end of a truck. Stay the, that stays the closest to the open t- the temperature on the road. They dry out. They may look good on the bottom side, but when you drop it down, if you're lucky enough to get it out of the carrier and you drop it down, uh, another oh, take some. WD-40 with you. It's it's a multi-purpose thing that you can use on an engine or around it. But it also works real good in helping you clean the road grime off the bolt that holds the spare tire up. You know, that's the one that you need a breaker bar to turn the little wing nut it's got on it. <laughs> but if you keep all that stuff clean and just periodically sneak on the back end of it and hit it with a WD-40, that'll keep it where it'll you can take it off when you need it. What else would you like to pour on that fire, Jim? Well, the, those are really good tips. What I was going to say is if you're changing your tire, if you're going to tire tire service on the side of the road is never a good idea. It, it's if if you're on if you can pull off into a safe area like a parking lot and change your tire, that's great. Um, Jerry's mm-hmm. idea with the t- checking the lug nuts after you drive a little ways. Do it on your car, too, or your pickup truck, because he's right. When you put the wheel on there, you're trying to do it. You're in a hurried situation. You're frustrated. Trust me. I know. I get frustrated when I do them, and I do it for a living. (laughs) So, you know, if you go down the road a mile, jump out real quick, pull off to a safe place, jump out real quick and check it. Check it, and if if the lugs are loose, well, okay, then it's not all right. You need to reevaluate. If, if you're unsure, drive. With, if you're in the town, if you're in town, you can usually drive it someplace within a, a couple miles to get it checked. But if you're not, sure, pull off to pull off to an off ramp where there's lots of room and 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 check it real quick. Even on your car, because if you had changing your car on the side of I-10 is is never a good place. And changing tires right. on the side of the intersite is a bad, bad idea. I know that you think you can do it, but I'm going to tell you, people get killed every single day trying to do that function. Your car or your tire is not worth your life. So I know that this is this is where you come to the play, the thinking. Oh, I'm going to ruin my rim. I'm going to ruin my tire. I'm, I might, I might, I might damage the fender on my car now all those things in your mind come come to you come to your vision and you're thinking oh i don't want to do anything more to my car okay 
So right. what do you want to trade? Your car or your life? You step outside at, at 75 miles an hour and somebody hits you, it doesn't really matter what happens to your car now because you're not going to be there to take care of it. You're not going to go home to your family. You're not going to go home to your kids, your wife, your girlfriend, your parents. Nothing, none of that's going to happen. And all those people that were expecting you to come home tonight are wondering what the hell you were thinking trying to change your tire on the side of I-10. So from, from a guy who does it, um, don't. Get it off the side of the road. If you can, if you ruin the tire, if you destroy the tire, if you beat the fender into an oblivion, there's lots of places that can fix it. There's tow trucks that can tow it away. Spectre Minor Road can fix your fender. <clears throat> Lens Auto Broker can sell you a new car. And nobody can buy a new you. You're the most important you that there is out there, and you have to be very, very cautious when you do this stuff. I, I know that it's... Jerry and I preach this every day. Cars are mechanical. They break down. They're inconsiderate. They don't care. They have no emotions. They're just going to fail when they want to fail. And all the and as much as we try to tell you, check your tires, check your oil out, or check your coolant, check your oil, you know, things are still going to happen. You can't get around it. That's why I'm in business. That's right. That's why. That's why. That's why I work twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, because stuff just happens, and you can't avoid it. It's okay. <laughs> the tr- the trick is to make sure when it happens to know what to do. Don't change your tires in the middle of the interstate. I don't care if you ruin your tire. Your insurance company doesn't care. Trust me, your insurance company will pay for a new tire and wheel and to fix your fender. That's why they. Ha- that's why you have insurance. You know, even if you even if you had to have a dented up fender. You know, what's, what are you going to tell somebody? Oh, well, I did it in my fender because I didn't want to get killed on the interstate. No. Somebody's going to say, well, that was a pretty good decision. You made a good, conscious decision to exit to a place where it's safe where, where you, so you don't get harmed. And, and it's just not you. So you're out there on the side of the road. Again, do this for a living, guys. I see it every day. You're out there on the side of the road. Change, trying to change your tire, and, your car, and there's not a lot of room. So you got your car up against close to the white line. I know it. Working the white line. Stood in the lane while, while, while I've hooked up vehicles. So now mm-hmm. jo- jo- Johnny Car Driver is driving along, and he's not the greatest driver, and he's trying to Facebook at the same time, right? And he, and he rolls up, and, he, and he's doing 75 miles an hour. He sees you, and he immediately panics because he doesn't know what to do. He swerves over and hits the guy next to him. Now there's a five-car pileup. Well, what if you, if you just pulled off the side of the road? That probably wouldn't happen. They call they call that, and when we were working wrecks, the 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 big focus is on what they call a secondary or a trinary collision after the original collision, because people will will stop, gawk, look, not pay attention, and there's another wreck, and then there's another wreck. Mm-hmm. That just takes more time to clear, more people get hurt. More things happen, uh, and so all of those things are your actions have a direct effect on everybody else's actions. So, be the smart right. guy, and don't do it. Now, I, I have I, been I, asked. I, I, I have been asked on this radio program, Jerry, if I blow a tire and I'm on on the freeway and I need to get it off to a safe place, at what speed? Can I roll this car down the side of the road? Well, 
uh, anywhere from five to 15 mile an hour, depending on, uh, where the tires, which tires flat. Uh, you have to be careful on these front wheel drive jobbers because some of these tires, when they come apart, they'll come off the rim and go inside and lock up your steering. But five miles to 15 mile an hour, 15 mile an hour is absolutely the top. And you can, you, you can probably go down. You may take out a fender. Uh, you may beat a fender up a little bit, but if you keep it just slow enough where you allow the tire to roll instead of fly off and lock up on your suspension. But it can be done. I told my daughter when she went away to school on her little truck, if you have a flat tire, I want you to just slow it down, turn your emergency blinkers on, take that thing down to about 10 mile an hour, run it on as far right as you can possibly get without driving off in the desert, and you drive that thing to a place. I don't care. I can replace rims. I can replace tires. I can replace fenders. I cannot replace you. You drive that thing to a place where you feel comfortable. And you want a, a, a lit place, but you've got to have access. Everybody has a cell phone now. Does everybody have uh, cell, cell tower availability at the time you actually pull off the road? So... But the main thing is I have had to change a tire on a horse trailer on the, coming out of Benson on the side of the road. Those 18-wheelers coming through there at 70 miles an hour will rock your trailer, and that was a four-horse trailer. It will rock your trailer. It will almost blow you out of the corner of the road. I was sitting next to a bank. That is as close as I could get. That thing had already, I mean, it was just a mess. And so, but that's probably the quickest I've ever changed a tire on a trailer. And when I drove it up, I did drive it. I probably drove that darn thing 10 miles before I even pulled it over to check see if I had all the lug nuts. But it was an eight lug system. And I thought, okay, I may have a couple of lugs loose, but I'm not going to have eight of them. And I drove it up. Sure enough, I did. I had three lugs that needed to be tightened when I finally got a chance to retighten it. It scared me to death. I'm not kidding you. Those trucks. And you'd think that you'd get over in the other lane. Well, there's traffic over in the other lane. And you're sitting there going, boy, that was pretty cool. You know, I'm about five foot of these 18 wheelers coming by because I'm up against a bank. What I should have done, drug that darn trailer on up the road, turned my emergency blinkers on, drove that son of a gun on up the road. So we learn a lot as we get older. And we have experience firsthand in what's going on with these. So don't be a, don't, don't be foolish. You know, trailer tires, you know, everybody has a spare. Uh, so if you rip off one of the rims, you just rip off one of the rims. You drive that son of a gun on up there. If you rip off a fender, you rip off a fender. No big deal. And don't panic. I see so many people, they have a flat tire. First thing you do, like Jim was saying, they panic. Everybody panics. Why? It's not something you want to panic. One, you can't change history. And guess what? When you blow that tire, that is history. There's nothing you can do two seconds before that tire blows that'll keep it from blowing. So it's history. You can't change history. So deal with it. Deal with the play the hand that you've just been dealt and don't panic. It gets you it makes you do stupid things. Adrenal hits and your brains fall out. This portion of the show is brought to you by Spectrum Ina Road Auto Collision. 
4425 West Iona Road. They're brought to you in part by Spectrum Iona Road Auto Collision. Uh, 744-4454. If you crash your car and you need to pick it up, call Frontier Tow and have it picked up. Take it over to Spectrum Iona Road Auto Collision Center at 4425 West Iona Road. Drop it off over there to Javier and crew. Uh, give them a claim number because you're going to have to call your insurance agent. You can probably do that from his his phone in his office and get a claim number. They'll take that claim number, and then they'll do the rest of the stuff for you. They'll help you navigate through this little collision. That's not even a reason to panic unless you're missing a bingo game or something like that. Now, that's really critical. But um, uh, just, just for, uh, Spectrum, Minor Road Auto Collision, for any of your automotive uh, body repairs, uh, anything that you can think of that you uh, need painted hot spots on the roof, like I've got to take my little car in for. Um, but it's just a good place to do business. Uh, voted number one in the state, uh, 17, 18, and 19. So uh, just have it done over there. All right. We were talking about uh, last week I got an interesting call from a gentleman, and he was talking about airless tires and he said you might want to check that out well i'd already read something about airless tires and so i thought yeah let's give me something to do let me research that a little bit so i pulled up the video on airless tires and they had a video on how they work and how they carry the load and it, they're made by michelin and i'm looking at this thing and they didn't have the sidewall covered so they showed you what was on the inside of the tire which is a fiberglass compound on little ridges it looked like a real fancy rim and it seemed to be working all right on those cars i don't know and i did not see anything about how much mileage you get on them there wasn't a price quoted anywhere you can bet your hind end that if it's airless and it's designed to run without air in it uh my my first thing was this thing's got to ride like a it's running on concrete uh evidently they've uh the technology's come a long way since the first one were tested and this one actually works pretty good so i'd like to thank the gentleman last week for calling me on this airless tire uh that was jerry on a michelin and gm it's a, a no flat tires no flat tires, and I went in, and it's made by Michelin. I did see it. Um, they're putting it on the new General Motors cars. We'll see how that plays out. The only thing that I've seen that I didn't like on the video <coughs> was you had flexible veins in there. It looked like a little turbo turbine. And what happens when all of those get mud in it or when you go through mud? Are you going to have a, a thump, thump, thump because it's got mud packed in where it won't allow these veins to collapse? So, therefore, I really think they probably have some kind of a coating or a rubber uh, sidewall that keeps the mud and stuff out. It would almost have to be because, I mean, you can get mud in a, in a race car and it'll pack up on the rims when you're racing and you can feel it because it's shaking everywhere. So I think they probably have a, a good plan here. They showed it running over nails, you know, close, slow motion, and the nail would go in, and it would just stay in and just ride because nothing would happen. So that's a pretty good little thing, and I want to thank Jerry for calling me last week and asked me to do a little research and bring this thing to you. So I have done that. I have brought it to you. 
And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But you can Google it and find out more about it. They do have a video on it that will give you a little more information. Now, the airless tire is not the same as a run-flat tire, okay? The run-flat has the sidewalls beefed up to where they will actually carry a certain amount of weight with no air in it. They have air in it to start, let it out, it goes down a little bit, but the sidewalls are strong enough to actually carry it. That's the two differences between the tires. So, and, and that's the short version. So if you're thinking about running a uh, run flat, that's one thing, get ready with some money. If you're thinking about running a no air tire, I haven't even seen what they're going for, but I understand that they're kind of expensive. I also understand because of the COVID-19 that race cars now, and uh, in the state of Arizona, running uh, asphalts, uh, running dirt, that if you're driving and you, you used to be able to just buy four tires, eight tires, whatever you thought you needed for the race. And, but there's a tire shortage now. So they've even changed some of the uh, rules on the dirt cars. And I'm sure Parker, uh, they run a dirt car and they probably know about it too. On the right rear, you normally burn them off quick when you're setting sideways around a, a half mile track. Um, but you can't, you do, you, you're limited to one tire on the right rear. Therefore, you have to slow it down. It has to be going more straight than it is sideways. So everything's changed based on the C19. So, and they, they haven't got any more tires coming in. There's a limited amount of tires that's actually being produced. And I'm wondering how long it's going to take it to get to the automotive tires that they're producing. So don't have the answer to that one, and I haven't been able to find it. So I guess it is what it is. So heads up. Don't be surprised if it comes up with a little tire shortage. Well, we can't quite, we can't get that in. That'll have to be a special order to be about three weeks, and uh, then we'll get some tires in. But pay attention to your tires. Get as, most, as much mileage out of them as you possibly can because you don't know when the next ones are going to be available at this point in time. So just be careful with that. Have you heard any more scuttlebutt on that, Jim? Oh, well, we can't get truck tires. Truck, buying big truck tires, we actually have to buy them 10 and 20 at a time now so we can get a get a stock lined up. There's guys, or the tire guys, are they're telling us they have, you know, 25 containers, 8 by 40 containers on order, and it's not showing. It's either It's either they're not being produced, or the production is very slow, or they're catching up with their backlog, right. or it's sitting out there in the ocean, hooking on, you know, hooking on oil lines, um, waiting to go yeah. to the dock to get unloaded. But either way, yeah, wow. it's. Um, and you can rest assured, if there's a tire shortage, the price is not going to go down on tires. It's going to go oh, up. Oh Lord, no! Because if there's if it's supply and demand, charge more. That's right. We're going to charge a bunch more. <laughs> so. I and and your 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 run your your airless tires. That's, I I saw that a while ago, Jerry. That's a really interesting mm-hmm. um, concept. I'm I'm with you. It has to look like a tire. It can't just because you're right. It looks like a little turbocharger with the with the Z the little yeah. Z pattern in the in the thing. 
And you're right. I thought the same yeah. thing. What do you do if it gets mud in there? What do you do if it gets a rock in it? Well, you know, what if a rock gets inside there? Now, now it doesn't flex at all. It just, it just, you know, it compre- It just would be like, you know, riding over a, a speed bump every rotation. So I'm with you. It's yeah. That's got to look like a tire. It's got to look like a regular tire, well, or it wouldn't work. I'm, I'm hoping they come up with a cover on the outside of that thing because I wouldn't get it based on what I know about. Uh, road debris and stuff like that getting inside those veins because if the veins are not allowed to collapse and uh, uh, and go back to their normal size uh, yeah you're going to have one heck of a, a, a ride so I'm sure they've probably come up with something since they made that video and to show you that I, their point was to show you exactly how it works on the inside now all they have to do is put a cover on the outside to keep the uh, a dirt shield or mud shield or road hazard shield from coming through, uh, then it'll probably be okay. But I, I've just, you know, General Motors is putting them on their, their 2022, I think. And so you should be able to go down to GM or call GM and say, hey, uh, you got any of these cars with these Michelin tires on them the, that uh, run with no air? And go down and take a look at them. When you do that, call the show and tell us what you see. Because I haven't seen them yet. Um, you know, I haven't I, I haven't heard any more scuttlebutt on them. Um, so we'll just wait and see what they've got. It's a good good thing, you know, as long as they're affordable. I don't think they're going to be inexpensive because they're going. To, but it's going to also they need to have them out long enough so they know what real world wear is going to be on them and that's another argument for getting your uh front end keeping your front your car aligned properly whether it be two-wheel drive or four-wheel drive or independent suspension or spring suspension it needs to be properly aligned to get the maximum you can out of these tires because if you're paying like i would have to estimate that they're going to be around 250 to 300 to 325 because some of your tires that you're buying now already Two and a quarter, two and a half, three hundred. So if you get one of these, uh, tire maintenance, uh, tire care, um, and, uh, you know, there is no putting air in them. So about the only way you're going to maintain these tires, from what I see, is one, try not to burn them off by spinning and just you have to keep it aligned so you don't scrub them off. There's a natural scrub when you turn a corner because it changes everything. But you need to protect it as much as you possibly can. You can't do anything with the air anymore, but you can do a lot by keeping the car aligned and running down the road straight like it was designed to do. All right. Have we spent enough time on tires yet? Almost. All right, one last thing. It'd be interesting to know how many miles those those airless tires would get because I'll bet you they're more like $500 a piece, not 300 that's uh, I don't think you're that far off because if you I'll bet they're tire pretty you... pricey. Well, yeah, well, they figure everything. Well, it, there's a shortage of tires already, so you can look for the car tires to be more expensive than they were. Uh, as far as tires, you know, where you buy three and get one free. Well, I'm saying that probably the price, you can still buy three, get one free. But to buy the three, you're going to pay in as much as you would if you were buying four. So just heads up, you know, it's here. 
it's uh, real, and um, so I, I can't say enough about it. So tire care, absolutely critical, absolutely. Let's get into the uh, uh, winter thing. Um, out on the road, if you throw a serpentine belt, how many parts of that motor is depending on a single serpentine belt, Jim? Well, the driver. <laughs> the driver's relying on that serpentine belt. Because <laughs> he ain't going anywhere without one. Because there's, well, let's see, what would there be? Crank, water pump, fan, alternator, air conditioner, power steering, assuming we're not driving an electric vehicle. Um, right. And, and assuming, um, or, and assuming we're not driving a vehicle that's electric, electric steering assist and electric AC. But, let's right. see, so crank, fan, oh, and idlers. There's gotta be at least two idlers in there. So what is that, seven? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's got enough idlers to keep you working. And for people that are, uh, have the 100,000 miles on them and you've still got the same idlers on them, uh, that idler wheel is a little bitty thing. And so you take the RPM. If you've got 100,000 miles on your car and you've got an idler bearing about the same size as your wheel bearing, you're up to like 70 million miles on that bearing because it turns so much faster than the wheels do. So, and I've seen a stat on it one time. So if you've got 100,000 miles on a car, you've got 70 million rotations on a wheel bearing. So when we tell you pack your wheel bearings, if you're, you're able to pack them, but keep in mind, uh, that's probably the only thing. If you've got a sealed bearing, we can't predict, no garage can predict when these things are going to go out. I mean, normally they'll start a little roughness, a little rumble, and you can pick it up with a stethoscope. You could probably hear it on the inside. When you hear it on the inside, it's kind of past time to change that thing. And you think, well, it just, it don't make that much noise. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's when you really get in trouble. You take it in, you have it checked. And like down at the shop, uh, we can put it up on a rack and suspend everything and we can run all four wheels if it's a four-wheel drive we can run all four wheels at the same time we can go on the bottom while that thing is running after all the safety catches and stuff are put on we can put a stethoscope up against the back of the hub and check every one of those bearings if that thing is a four-wheel drive and it's rolling we can listen to it and that stethoscope will pick up any roughness in a bearing that's the only thing we can do. We cannot tell you when it's going to do it. Uh, that worried me to death was sending my granddaughter to Arkansas to college. And when that's the only thing that we could not check. And so we listened to it. We put it up. We spun it. We put a stethoscope on it. Everything was good. Well, to my pleasure, this 06 Dodge that she was driving, a four-wheel drive. Uh, when she sold it after she moved to Idaho, it uh, it still had all that stuff in it because we maintained that thing. We did we did pre-maintenance on that when she would bring it in on vacation. We would absolutely check it for anything it needed for the next time that we figured we was going to see her, which was six months to nine months. And we made sure everything was done at that point. And uh, she kept a good, dependable vehicle through her college career. And the, she just recently got uh, 
trade well she sold it and then she bought a, another little car which a good little car and i said you got to remember you got to keep it maintained regardless of what grandpa says you've got to keep that thing maintained if you get a good garage up there if you can't find a good garage where you're at give me a call and let me see if i can track one down for you and i will introduce you and i will give the guy a backup number to call if he if he says okay it's in here and it's going to be more money than she's got okay tell me what it is that's what grandpas do when granddaughters are in college or grandsons are in college but Belts and hoses, oh, my gosh. Typical service on belts and hoses. Hoses should be checked at least each oil service. Now, oil service and oil change. You take a vehicle in, you get the oil change. You go to a quickie place, you get the oil change. They do not check everything like they do at a a good independent, like Parker does. Parker Automotive will do a full inspection on it. Automotive Specialist does an inspection on it to make sure that you don't have any any boogers in there. They will check your serpentine belt to see if it's in good condition. They will check your hoses to see if it's in good condition at each oil service. Uh, because for age hardening and softening, uh, you can pinch a hose. Uh, any hose that feels rock hard or mushy is due for replacement. Leaking cracks, blistering, or any other visible damage on the outside of the hose also indicates a need for replacement. The clamp should be replaced when new hoses are installed. Don't use the old clamps. A lot of people try to get away with these uh, 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 release, what, what do you call them, compression clamps. And when you take those off, yeah, they're spring-loaded, they're spring-designed, so they get tired. So when you change the hoses change the clamps on them. V-belts, which is not a serpentine belt, should be replaced every three to four years or 40 to 50,000 miles. V-belts and serpentine belts should be checked for looseness, cracks, fray, which means you're coming apart, or glazing, which, mean, which means they're sliding. Wow, we done shot an hour on this thing. Um, replace the timing belt between 60 and 90,000 miles are based on the intervals specified in the owner's manual. Out of sight, out of mind. Pay attention to that. It may be the recommendation uh, during timing or serpentine belt service and replacement to replace tensioners, pulleys, and water pump, depending on the access. If you have to go all the way in next to that little water pump, you got got 100,000 miles on it, never been changed, you're there. The only difference is the parts price. Get it done. Because if you have all of the stuff done, you're at the front of the motor and you don't change this little pump, 30 days later, two months later, you've got to go back and you've got the same labor charge as what you had done before. They've got to go all the way in to get that thing. And when you do that, you spend a lot of money. So hopefully somebody will recommend it. How much time we got left, Andrew? Uh, you guys got one minute. Got one minute. All right. Anything you want to add to the timing belts or hoses or anything, Jim, before the top of the hour? Yeah, check check your hoses when when they're at operating temperature because um, you won't. Sometimes hoses get internal splits in them and they'll swell, so they'll swell up 
really large, and you won't see it at a uh, during on a on a cold on a cold engine. So check check them right. when they're hot. If you if your your idlers, um, if you start to see a surfacing belt with a wear on the side, you have a, an alignment yep. problem. That's right. All right, good good advice. All right, we're at the top of the hour seven one nine fourteen ninety. We talk the first hour, you talk the second. 719-1490 is a call in down here. Looking forward to hearing from you. We'll be right back. Next message. 